morning, everyone. My name's Josh. Yeah, good morning, Josh. <laughs> I'm uh, the youth pastor of Ignite. I say the same speech every time, but there are new people who don't know who I am, so my name's Josh, and you can say hello to me afterwards. Um, or you can say hello to me now, whoever said that. Thank you. I want to start by sharing just a brief testimony about what happened at youth on Friday night. It was pretty cool. Um, so one of our own, Eli, Eli Shuin, led the night. Now, it was a murder mystery night, but... Um, uh, I did have a little bit of pushback. Why would a youth group do a murder mystery night? It doesn't seem very fitting. Well, the topic of the night was jealousy. You see, we all played characters, and um, turns out the murderer was the grandson and the mother. Anyways, basically it was a jealousy thing because the grandfather was very rich. And then Eli actually gave us a really good word from the Word of God about um, how we can overcome jealousy and how dangerous jealousy can be in our lives. So it was a really great night. But um, leading up to it, uh, one of the youth kids was adamant that they weren't going to come. They were really negative about it, like very vocal about it, causing all sorts of a stir amongst the other kids. And um, it really concerned me and Eli. But um, when we were setting up, I just said, Eli, why don't we just pause and let's just pray for this youth kid, pray that God changes their heart so that they want to come along. And um, so we prayed uh, and we got in the car and we prayed as I dropped him home. And less than an hour after we prayed, this was the Thursday night, less than an hour after we prayed, um, this youth kid got in contact with me. Now, they don't normally contact me, but they sent me a text message and said, hey, um, I'm really excited about youth tomorrow night with the murder mystery night. Um, I think Eli's going to do a great job, and I'm looking forward to coming along. And we were just like, wow, what a miracle. And they had a really great night too. And so it's just a reminder to us, you know, you have not because you ask not. We need to be asking God for things. We can't just expect things to happen naturally um, because in the natural, things are evil, things are crooked, and we need a supernatural God to intervene and do something living and powerful in our lives. Now, I have a five-month-old. Little Uriah is five months today, so happy five months to him. Um, but he is really not the greatest um, assistant when it comes to sermon prep. So if this is a little messy, I am going to blame my son for the first time ever. <laughs> I'm also sorry if you came to hear me preach a message on water baptism. I did say I was going to preach on water baptism, but um, God had other plans. You see, I was praying about it, and I felt really strongly uh, that God wanted me to speak on Colossians 3. But the good thing about Colossians 3 is it is still about our identity with Christ, our union with Him and His death, burial, and resurrection, which is what water baptism pictures. Uh, so you'll still hopefully get something good out of it. So my main text this morning comes from Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. I'll just read it to you. Um, yep, it's behind me. It says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves also once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off these, put off anger, malice, wrath, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, 
circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So the theme of uh, Colossians chapter 3 is how a Christian can turn from their old life of sin, their old way of living, and turn towards God, leaving that life of self-indulgence behind in order to live a godly life. Now, one of the biggest problems we face today uh, as Christians or even as non-Christians is people struggle with guilt. They struggle with a lot of shame in their past. They've done things that they're not proud of. And um, we know from the scriptures in Romans chapter 3 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. But we as Christians, we read these verses like Romans 6, which say, you know, sin will no longer have dominion over you because you are not under law, but under grace. And we think in terms of, well, maybe one day when I'm in heaven, then I'll be, you know, able to overcome sin. And we feel defeated here on earth. Too many Christians I know, including myself often, we get into this bad cycle of guilt and shame where the guilt and shame prevents us from moving forward with God. It prevents us from having a deep, abiding relationship with the Lord Jesus. Now, it's interesting to note in Colossians 3 that Paul doesn't start with commands to put away sin. He doesn't start by saying you should do this or that or, uh, you know, you should put off lying, you should put off covetousness, these sorts of things. He doesn't start the conversation there. He starts by reminding them of who they are in Christ, reminding them of their identity in the Lord Jesus. He starts by saying, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are up above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So you were raised with Christ. You see, unlike other religions, the Christian religion teaches that from day one of your walk with God, you have received the fullness You have received the very top. You have received direct access to God. The righteousness of God is given to you as a free gift by His grace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. See, Jesus has gone before us. He's prepared a place for us in his kingdom. We receive our citizenship in heaven the moment we are united to Jesus, who has gone before us. The Bible describes Jesus as our forerunner, one who goes before. It talks about him as being the first fruits of those who have risen from the dead. One day, too, you and I will be raised with Christ completely and will be there to appear face to face with God. You see, Jesus' communion with the Father is one of shoulder to shoulder intimacy. And we, too, can have that kind of intimacy now when we seek God and pursue God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can have it in the age to come when we appear bodily, physically before our God and King. So, yeah, one of the ways we we fall into this bad cycle of sin and shame and remove ourselves from that intimacy with God is because we attempt to work our way back to God by by works. And you see, this is the same mistake that all the rest of the world religions fall into. They say, if you, you know, do enough steps, if you climb enough ladders, if you jump through enough hoops, you know, if you pray this many times a day, if you read your Bible this many times a day, you know, maybe if you stop saying that word, then God will accept you. But the Christian religion teaches that you receive it all by faith as a gift from God. See, I fell into this trap this week. 
Um, I got into one of these bad head cycles again where I didn't want to preach. Um, I nearly called up Kenny and was like, Kenny, that was a really uh, good message you shared <laughs> at men's breakfast. But I, um, I just got into this bad cycle thinking, you know, I'm not good enough. You know, I haven't been reading my Bible lately. I haven't been praying. I've noticed my language starting to slip at work. And I started off by just lopping off a few branches, you know. I thought maybe, okay, I'm going to stop, you know, I'm going to stop using that word around my workmates, you know. I'm going to start looking a bit more like a Christian. And then maybe I'll be in a better position to, to preach on Sunday, to present the gospel. And then one of the things I did was I, I turned off um, a podcast I was listening to. I was listening to one of the finance podcasts I listen to every morning. And I decided I'd just turn Audio Bible on. And I decided, well, if I'm going to be preaching from, you know, Colossians, let's, let's, let's hear it, you know, word for word. And so um, it came to Colossians 3 and it says, If then you were raised with Christ, set your mind on things up above, not on the things of the earth. And immediately the chains fell off my wrists. And I just had joy in my heart. I had the power of God return to me. I had the love of God return to my heart. I felt like sin no longer had dominion over me again. And I didn't have to put a whole bunch of rules in front of me on how to live the Christian life. I was free the moment I looked to Jesus and was reminded that I was raised with Him in heavenly places. See, if you're ever going to be successful in your fight against sin, it needs to be carried out in a position of relationship with the Father. See, Second Peter, um, the book of Second Peter, in chapter 1, he talks about these um, Christian virtues. Uh, and in verse 8, he says, If these qualities are yours and abound you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. This is one of our biggest problems. You see, we forget that we've been cleansed from our past life and sin. This is one of the reasons why I get really excited about communion. I love the fact that our church celebrates communion every week. You know, for some people, they think it's some sort of dead ritual or that you know, why are you being so repetitive about this? Well, we need this repetition. We need to be reminded that we were cleansed from our past sins. We need to be reminded that it's not my body that's on the cross. It's the Lord Jesus who bore my sin in his body on the tree and was raised from the dead so that I could walk in newness of life. We need to remember that that's the reason the Holy Spirit has come and has made his home in our hearts. Not because of something that I've accomplished, but something that Jesus has accomplished at the cross. And that's the good news, is it's a gift to anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord. They will be saved. He's rich to everyone who calls on Him. See, the Scripture says that the just one was given for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. That's the Lord Jesus bringing us to God. There's one mediator between man and God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Guilty people, on the other hand, they feel defeated. They feel distant. I mean, think of Adam in the garden. You know, where was Adam after they ate from the tree of knowledge and good and evil? He wasn't walking in the cool of the garden with God like he used to. He was hiding. God had to pursue him and say, Adam, where are you? And he hid himself because he felt naked. He felt the shame and the guilt of sin. But praise be to God, it's God who pursues man and wants to bring him back into right relationship with himself. You see, fellowship with God is the secret to overcoming sin in your life. Galatians 5 verse 16 says, Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. We need to be walking with God, the Holy One. You see, when you read a commandment like, Be holy as He is holy, what are you thinking? You're thinking, man, I need to do this, this, and this. 
in order to somehow be holy like God. You're never going to attain it that way. But if you are with the Holy One in communion, if you are with the Holy One in prayer, if you are with the Holy One in the fellowship of the body of Christ, you will be holy as He is holy. You know, the scriptures say that evil company corrupts good, good morals. But the same is true when you spend time with people who are clean. Have you ever spent time with someone who's just really innocent and sweet? And sometimes you might stuff up in your speech and you're like, oh dear, I shouldn't say that. You know, I can't, I can't be talking like that because this person's in my presence who's really sensitive. And, you know, when we're in the presence of God like that, we don't want to tell filthy jokes. When we're in the presence of God, we don't want to look at that girl down the street. When we're in the presence of God, we want to be holy just as He is holy. We've got to take Jesus literally when he says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Not that you can do most things and Jesus fills the gap. Jesus needs to be all in all. He is, he is the root of the tree from which we get our sustenance. Without Christ, you won't bear fruit. There's no point in trying to imitate Jesus without Jesus. You need Jesus in order to be like Jesus. Paul says, it's Christ who lives in me, the hope of glory. I'm getting a little bit off topic, sorry. A little bit off track. See, Satan's main goal is to keep you distant from God. If he can keep you guilty feeling, if he can keep you thinking that you can be independent apart from God, or if he can distract you with a love for other things, then he knows you're going to fall into your life, your old life of sin. The scripture says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He has victory over sin and death. He lived a holy life on earth. He was crucified he was buried he was raised from the dead his tomb is empty and then he ascended into the heavens to be seated at the right hand of of god and that's our inheritance too as christians we too get to be raised with christ ephesians chapter 2 says that god raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in christ jesus you see through jesus you can approach god what a thought like I can't approach God in my own name, but through the name of Jesus, by his blood, by his flesh, which is like a veil that was torn for me, I have direct access to God, and no one can come to the Father except through him. We're told to set our mind on things up above, not on the things of the earth. Um, a couple of weeks back at youth, I think it was a couple of weeks back, you see, when you're a, when you're a parent, a, young, a new parent like I am, um, everything seems weeks away, but it was probably just like, a week ago but because you're napping so much it's like your weeks have 14 days it's um really interesting um so anyways yeah probably only a week ago um at youth we were talking about our goals we actually wrote them out on the whiteboard and so the question was what are your goals in life and uh some of the answers we got uh, i laugh at this one of the kids said um is he here no that's good <laughs> one of the kids said he wants to get fit which I thought, yeah, good on you. <laughs> That's good. That's a good goal to have in life. Um, there was other goals that people had. You know, they want to make money. Um, they want to be a joyful person. They want to have a good job. 
So we all have these goals, these things that we're aiming for in life. But I purposely set these kids up to fail because I knew that they would answer like this. After we'd finished our list of goals, we just took a step back and said, how many of these goals are focused on God? How many of your life goals are focused on advancing His kingdom? And how many of them are focused on advancing your kingdom? And you see, that's the problem. We're setting these goals, these targets we want to hit. You know, I want to be wealthy. I want to have a healthy family. I want to have a good job. I want to look good. All of these things. But what are you aiming for? Are you aiming to be with the Lord Jesus in the presence of God in a hundred years' time? For some of you, probably a little bit earlier, um, including myself probably. You know, we want to be with the Lord Jesus. We want to be with Him forever. We want to be known as a people who are focused on glorifying God and advancing His kingdom on the earth. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is Jesus your treasure? Is Jesus the one that you're pursuing in life? Is he the one that you're representing on earth? Or are you representing your own name? The Apostle Paul draws a contrast in um, Philippians chapter 3. He talks about two kinds of people. One, he says, is an enemy of the cross of Christ. He says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. But then he contrasts it with the true believers, and he says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it might be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to even subdue all things to himself. Romans chapter 8 talks about those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And he warns that the man who is carnally minded or worldly minded can't obey God, they can't please God. So how can we set our minds on the things of the Spirit? What are you filling your mind with would be probably another way of saying that. You know, are you spending your, your free time watching sport, scrolling through Facebook, social media, um, you know, Netflix? Or are you obsessed with the news? Are you obsessed with, you know, what's happening in politics? None of these things are wrong in of themselves. We need to understand that the people behind these things are generally thinking on an earthly plane. They're not thinking about the Lord Jesus. They're not thinking about where they stand before God. They're not thinking about promoting righteousness and godliness in the earth. And so we need to surround ourselves with positive influences. And that includes, obviously, spending time with God. You know, do not be conformed to this world, as it says in uh, Romans chapter 12, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That happens in His Word. That happens in prayer. But it also happens in, in our times with one another. You know, we encourage one another to walk with God. Um, I have some good news for you this morning. I hope it's good news. No, I'm not pregnant. Um, I have another sauna story by popular request. <laughs> At least I think it's popular. Um, people sometimes ask me, what's the latest sauna story? So uh, about two weeks ago, if you don't know, I go to a gym 
not very often, and otherwise, you know, I'd probably fill this code out a little bit better. But I do go to a gym, and uh, there's a steam room and a sauna right next to each other. And it's really great just to unwind for the day and, you know, sit in there in the heat. Anyways, on this particular day, the uh, sauna went down, so, or sorry, the steam room went down, so we all crammed into the sauna. So there was about nine of us in uh, this sauna, which you know, I shouldn't say that, actually, there's COVID rules. But anyways, it's a tiny little sauna. We're like shoulder to shoulder. And in pops in this guy who I know is a Christian, but I don't know him very well. I just found out he was a Christian one time when I was in the sauna. And um, we, we carried the relationship from there. And so he said, oh, you're a youth pastor, aren't you? And that's what he said to me. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, I remember. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, how's church? And we started talking. And we were just oblivious to the other people in the sauna. We didn't know if they were Christians or not. Um, and quite frankly, we didn't really care because we were having our own little conversation about something we were passionate about. There's nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, they're happy to talk about the sport. They're happy to talk about their favorite politician. Why can't I talk about the Lord Jesus in public? So um, we got to talking and I thought to myself, you know, I've never heard how this guy became a believer. So I said, how did you become a believer? Well, these poor people in the sauna, they got about 20 minutes of testimony from this extrovert. Oh, you know, I was drunk on the street as a teenager and there were these Christians walking down the street and they were so full of joy and they were singing songs to God and I just saw they, they had this thing that I wanted. They had this freedom and this joy and I spent all night talking to them and then this happened and that happened and I recommitted my life to God at this age and it was wonderful. Anyways, I'm thinking, oh man, like 15 minutes into this sauna, I'm, I'm you know, running out of water. I'm thinking, what do the other people in the sauna think of all this? And I, I'm listening then to their conversation. And this guy in the corner just turns to the two guys next to him and goes, do you guys go to church? And it turns out there's another guy in the sauna who's a Christian. He starts evangelizing these two guys in the sauna in the corner. So there's this like chain reaction of talking about Jesus. So now they probably think the gym's a Christian gym. Really strangely, they accidentally left a Christian channel up on um, the screens at the gym for about a month straight. And um, they have the, the TVs turned like off volume-wise, but there's like subtitles and everything. So everyone was getting the gospel for, the, for about the past month anyways. Anyways, we both ran out of water at the same time. And so we, we left the uh, sauna and we went to the shower cubicles. Don't worry, they're separate shower cubicles. It's not weird like in the movies. But... um. We just decided we'd continue our conversation over the edge of the shower cubicle. So, I, I, I don't know, I was like, have you shared Jesus with anyone lately? And he starts telling me about how he evangelized some person. He told him, man, God loves you so much, this and that. And, you know, I believed him when he said that he knew God. And then we're just talking about how Jesus can free you from sin, this and that. And there's literally like five other people having showers in the stalls on both sides of us, dead silent, not saying a word, going, what are these two guys talking about? Now, I say all of that to simply say that evangelism is easy if you're passionate about Jesus. It's easy if He is your treasure. It's easy if that's what you've been filling your mind with. You know, if that's what you're excited by. I'm not going in the sauna, putting on a hat, going, hey, if you uh, died right now, would you go to heaven or hell? And getting all weird about it and getting all creepy and being like, turn or burn. I'm just having a conversation. <laughs> well, they're already burning. But I guess they're a little, yeah, anyways, they're dripping with sweat, so they're not on fire fire, but anyway, yeah, all right. Drink electrolytes, it helps. Um, that is a good thought, though. I could talk about hell in the heat of the sauna. <laughs> My point is, though, I find a way to move to the, from the natural to the supernatural. I find a way to talk about something common, like what did you do on the weekend? 
Well, at my youth group, this is what we did. And then that moves to, oh, your youth group. And then are you a Christian? And then it carries on from there. You know, when someone asks you later this afternoon, hey, have you had a good weekend? Why don't you tell them you had a great time at church this morning? What a great opportunity that God could then open the door so that you could share Christ with them. You could tell them about the one you love. You could tell them the one that you're passionate about, the one who you're looking forward to meeting in person one day when, you, when you're in the presence of God um, at his throne. I have no idea where I was going. Um, for you died, that's the scripture, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Same message. <laughs> now, what does it mean that we died? Uh, I was at my parents' place. Um, shout out to my dad in the front row, hey. Um, I was at my parents' place a couple of years back because I lived at home for a very long time. But, uh, you know, free rent, it's awesome. Um, especially in this climate. I was brushing my teeth. I had my own bathroom, it's really great. I was brushing my teeth in the bathroom and uh, I was actually contemplating um, doing something quite evil and um, I don't know I was just contemplating something I wanted to do that I knew God wouldn't be pleased with and as I was brushing my teeth I um you know some people set themselves up to fail um, I try to set myself up to succeed a little bit because I know how lazy and and weird I can be so I um I cut out Bible verses and stuck them all over my bathroom so no matter, no matter what I was doing in the bathroom I had to look at scripture so if I was going to the loo or if I was brushing my teeth there was Bible verses all over my mirror and so as I was brushing my teeth thinking, hmm, I might, you know, go and do this, you know, even though I know it's not right, I read a, vi a verse on my mirror that was from Romans chapter 6, which is all about death in Christ. And it says, Romans chapter 6, verse 2, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? I'm brushing my teeth going, that's right, God, how can I continue living in sin? And Again, the shackles just fell off and all of my desire for, for that particular act against God was just broken in that instant from the Word of God. You see, the Word of God is living and active and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. We've got to believe that. We've got to fill our mind with the Word of God and allow the sword of the Spirit to pierce our hearts and set us free. See, when we came to Christ, we realized we needed a Savior from sin. But most people think in terms of, He's going to save me from my guilt. He's going to save me from my shame. But we also need saving from the power of sin that dwells in us, that principle of sin. There's something in the human heart that desires to rebel against God and to rebel against authority. You know, when you see a wall that says, wet paint, don't touch, be honest, like, there's a commandment there, but your flesh says, I want to touch it for myself to determine if it actually is wet. I think I know better than that sign. And this is the attitude that we're born into. We're born after Adam, a man who rebelled against God. Oh, that's not going to work. I'll tell you a story about what I did with the youth one time. I had a light, and um, I showed him the light, and I said, look, it's not, it's not peering out any light. And it had a power cord. It's a really simple illustration. But I plugged the light into the wall, and obviously it, it shone brightly again. And I said, this is you before you met Christ. You were dead to God. You weren't connected to God. Yes, God created you, but you had no living and active, powerful relationship with God. But the moment you trusted in Christ, and I plugged it in and turned the light on, you received power from God to live a new life. And so that's the, that's the Christian message, that Christ has come. And, you know, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That means in the face of persecution. That means if you... 
you know, struggling and you lose all of your finances. And, you know, like Pastor Darren often talks about, you know, the financial ruin that happened to them and how God got them out of that. You know, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with Jesus, having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. You see, Roman, I want to go into Romans 6 more. I did bring my Bible here, but I think I can do it by memory. <laughs> Romans 6 is my favorite chapter in the whole, the whole New Testament. Acts is my favorite book, but Romans 6 is definitely my favorite chapter. Acts, um, Romans chapter 6, verse 6 says, Our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with and in the greek it means that the body of sin might be put out of action it's kind of like a vending machine that's broken you know that thing that was powerful that thing that was alive that was on in us can be put out of action that's why the scripture says to put off the old man with his deeds because you can actually put off the old man you don't have to keep going on living a life of addiction to substances you don't have to be an alcoholic just because your family comes from a line of alcoholics you don't have to be, you know, addicted to pornography or with your tongue, you know, speaking foul words. None of those things have to have a hold on you because Jesus Christ can break those chains. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. That's what the Scriptures say. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Can you say that like Paul? That I have been crucified with Christ. That old I, that I that was enthroned, you know, has been dethroned because we've enthroned Christ. Christ now rules over my heart. Christ now rules over my passions. I don't have to be given to that old way of living any longer. Galatians 6 verse 14, Paul rejoices in this fact. He says, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The world's dead to me. That's what Paul says. I have been crucified with Christ and I will boast in the cross where God dealt with my old man, where God punished and totally buried that old man um, out of sight. We need to be boasting in the victory of Christ. Now, I did put a little note in here that some of us obviously would have heard, but what about Romans 7? You know, Romans 7 it seems to counteract some of what I'm saying. It seems to say that, you know, I'll continue to struggle with sin all my life and that it's normal. But you see, the context of Romans 7 is really important. Romans 7 is speaking to someone who is a Jewish person living by the commandments of God, trying to obey the law, um, trying to please God through a set of rule-keeping. Romans 7 verse 19, for example, for the good that I will to do, so that, you know, I'm desiring to do the right thing, the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil that I will not to do, that I do, that I practice. Paul was talking about living a life of do's and don'ts and how unsuccessful it is. Romans chapter 7 verse 8, it says, sin taking opportunity by the commandment produced in me all manner of evil desire. So again, it's back to that sign that says, wet paint, don't touch. God, I want to please you. I don't want to touch the wall. I don't want to touch the wall, but it's really enticing. Something about that do not makes me want to touch the wet wall. Sin takes opportunity by the commandment and 
produces in me evil desire. And Paul finishes, you know, again, context is very important. Does Paul leave us in this, this state of, um, you know, depression and failure? At the end of Romans 7, he finishes by saying, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? But there's an extra line. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's the good news. We can thank God through Jesus Christ that we don't have to be a slave to sin any longer. We have a new Lord. We have a new person we're following. We're no longer following after our own selfish desires. Now, some of you might be asking, how can we, how can we experience this in a tangible way? Because there's no point in knowing the theology that, yes, okay, I'm crucified with Christ, I'm raised with Him, I get all that, but it's not working. I don't know, I don't want to see a show of hands because I know that's a lot of our experience. It feels like it's not working. The simple answer is it's by faith. It's always been by faith. The just shall live by faith. Or another way, the righteous shall live by faith. Faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us. You see, just as you trusted in Christ to forgive you of your sins, you need to trust in the power of Christ to deliver you from your sins as well. Don't stop short of all that God has for you. Romans chapter 6, again, verse 11 says, We are to reckon ourselves dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. In other words, we're to count it a fact that I am dead to sin and alive to God. I am no longer serving sin. That was my old life. I'm now serving the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our part. Count yourselves dead to sin. Reckon it a fact that you've died with Christ. And we receive that by faith. So when was the last time you stopped and just thanked God? Thank you for my freedom. Thank you that sin will no longer have dominion over me because I'm not under law, rule keeping. I'm under grace, the new covenant, the new promise that you would cleanse me. You'd give me a new heart and put a new spirit within me. Paul then goes on to say in verse 12 of chapter 6 of Romans, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And then again, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So it's true, we can present our bodies to Him as a living sacrifice. You know, we can say, Lord, use my tongue to tell of your wonderful deeds. Lord, use my tongue to encourage my friends, not to bring them down. We can say, Lord, use my hands. I want to use my hands for your kingdom. I want to use my wallet, my wealth, to advance your kingdom. Lord, I want you to have all of me. I want you to have my thought life. We need to be thinking thoughts on his kingdom, on him, our Lord, not on the things of the earth. Romans 13 verse 14 says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Again, this is on us, you know. We died to the principle of sin at the cross and we're to be alive to God by putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if you're filled with the Lord Jesus, you don't have room for anything else because you're satisfied. Jesus said, come to me if you're thirsty and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's the promise, that he would satisfy you, that you would have more than enough, not just for yourselves, but for others also. Rivers of living water, not a trickle. He's not mincing words. He's not giving you this beautiful picture and then just shrinking it back to a, a reality. He's telling you, you can be filled 
with the fullness of God. Um, I went to a, I went to a car show yesterday. I said I went to a car show. Zach knows all about this. Me, Zach, and Eli went to a car show. So on Google it said the 27th, but on the flyer it said the 28th. We got there and we're like, where's all the cars? There were no cars. There were no food vans. I was starving. I hadn't really had breakfast. And I was looking forward to pizza. There was a pizza truck that was supposed to be there. Anyways, um, one of the kids wanted to go to the famous Kenilworth Bakery and have a look at the one kilo donut and all that sort of thing. We didn't get that. It was too expensive. Um, but anyways, I was really tempted to eat a donut for breakfast because I was hungry. Like, I just about would have eaten anything. Now, I'm really glad that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control because I had my phone out and everything. Like, I was really tempted. But my point with this is, you know, had I eaten breakfast before I'd gone to Kenilworth, I would have never hungered for bakery food because I just don't have a sweet tooth for it anymore. And, um, but because I was literally starving, like, bakery food seemed like a great breakfast. And so this is the same with us. You want to overcome sin in your life? Make no provision for the flesh. How do we make no provision for the flesh? We put on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're spending time in the Word of God and prayer every morning, the Word of God, which is said to be our daily bread, if you're spending time with God, you're going to be so full of God. The things of this world are not going to be desirable. They're not going to be tasty. You know, have you ever started eating a salad for a couple of weeks? And at first you're like, oh, it's a salad. It's cold. It's not very exciting. You know, after a couple of weeks of eating salads, you're like, hey, my body's really loving this. I'm really enjoying this. And then someone hands you a Mars bar, and you're like, ooh, a Mars bar. I remember how good they were. And you take a bite out of it, and you're like, ugh. I, I don't understand. Like, I used to think you were amazing. That Mars bar's not amazing anymore because I'm eating healthy now. The same is true when you're spending time with God. The things of this world are going to be stripped away. You're going to see right through the lies of the enemy if you're walking with God in fellowship with God. Again, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Lastly, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Is Christ your life? For some people, they would say football is their life. It seems that when we have a conversation, everything is about the footy. You know, my team did this, my team did that. You wear the jersey proudly. Imagine if you treated your relationship with God like that. Again, I have nothing against sport. I love sport. I watch football too, so... I'm not really a big fan, but I do watch football. I'm trying to be honest from the stage here. Um, we need to be fans of the Lord Jesus. He needs to be our life. You know, some people you talk to them and it's all about their job or all about their investments. You know, you ask them, how is your week? How's business going? That seems to be the first thing that people ask me a lot of times. How's business going? And I tell them about the caravan industry. I tell you how many sales we've had. And, you know, caravan industry is still booming because this is what I, I do as a day job. I'm you know, I sell caravans. And um, that's all good and well. But if we're going to have real Christian fellowship, when someone says, how's your day going or how's your week going? Why isn't Christ featured as a major in our conversations? Why isn't it, man, I opened Romans yesterday and the Word of God came alive to me. Why isn't that coming off our lips? You know, or I shared with my work colleague about Jesus. I told him that he could be forgiven of his sins, his past. Like, these are the great things that we could be talking about, and we choose these lesser things. You know, Christ needs to be our life. Are we longing for His appearing? I want to end on this. Are we longing for His appearing? 1 John chapter 3 says, Behold, what manner of love has the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And then it talks about when He appears, we shall be made like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. 
This is exciting. This isn't just about getting a new body. This is about entering a kingdom where sin and death are no more, an everlasting relationship with God. We need to be looking forward to his return. It needs to be part of our conversation, like, Jesus is coming back soon. That should be not something weird we do on a street corner with like a sign again telling people, you know, with scary flames. We should be actually proclaiming, the Lord Jesus is returning for his bride. Don't you want to be part of his company? Don't you want to be known by him? You can know God this morning through knowing Jesus Christ. Again, no one can come to the Father except through him. And that's the good news. I'd just like to invite the um, band to come on stage. I just asked them to um, close us in a, in a worship song that can get our minds fixed back on the Lord Jesus. I don't do, um, me personally, I don't do many appeals. Um, I know Darren does every week. Uh, but I, if you want to talk about anything in the message, um, if there is some sin you're struggling with and you want prayer, or you want to understand maybe some clarification on something I've said, I'd be glad to catch up with you afterwards. I'll be here as long as needed to talk to anyone who wants to talk to me. Um, there's obviously other leaders in the church that are trusted who can give really good answers too. But um, yeah, in this final time, as we sing this song, this is an opportunity to respond to God. This is an opportunity to let the things of the world fade away and focus our attention back on our heavenly things, back on our heavenly Lord, to love Him, to delight in Him, so that Christ is our life. Christ, the hope of glory.